Welcome to Beers with Contractors. We're cracking a cold one and taking a deep dive into the foundations of your business, pun intended, to unearth the strategies, techniques, and insider knowledge that can take your contracting business to the next level. So grab your favorite beer, pull up a seat, and let's have a chat about the nuts and bolts of the construction industry. We're live. We are live. Dylan, Beers with Contractors, we're back at it. Got it thought they would knock us down we're still here we keep coming back you know that saying of like you have a face for radio right. it's becoming more and more evident the more i look over at you buddy wow that is the nicest <laughs> thing you've ever said <laughs> hey speaking of which who, who are you repping today on your koozie i got a to z inspections uh big fan of jack warner he actually helped me get connected to find a job here in oklahoma city jack's kind of the the go-to connector man he knows everybody and uh, yeah i got my boys trade pros they're just growing like weeds. HVAC company here. They're just, man, they're maniacs. I think they grew four to eight million this last year. It's pretty impressive. So, so you stripped the flannel off today. Is that because it's warmer today or what? I, I let you control the thermostat in this room and just bring it to a sauna. So I've got to, this is the limit. So not get any crazier. Well, you, you know, as contractors, we're supposed to be built for the elements, right? We work in the heat and the cold. I am not built that way. Like, I'm a chihuahua when it comes to like, when it drops below 50, well, oh, dude, I can't handle it. So I'm one of those guys in the winter where I will have three or four layers underneath my heaviest layer and I won't break a sweat. It doesn't happen. I'm a cold body human being. Yeah. Well, it's like you're running around that, like that kid in Christmas story where they pack them with like all the layers and he can barely move. Is that what you, is that how your parents did it in Kansas? It's me and still is me. I've lost the pink colors, but you know, I, I am a bundled little yes yeah, so i read this article the other day you probably read similar that the sba says that out of all businesses that are formed only 49.7 percent of them actually or i'm sorry 49.7 percent of businesses fail within the first five years so you've heard that right uh, yeah i've heard crazy stats that it's crazy hard to get business off the ground and on that yeah 50 about 50 percent yeah and well i dug deeper into that report and it actually says that closer to 75% of businesses that are construction businesses fail in the first five years. So I want to hear your opinion on why you think that is. Uh, why construction is higher than everything else? Spending too much time on a podcast, I think, instead of out working. That might be a reason. <laughs> um, Wait a minute. Was that directed towards I me? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I would imagine that probably two unique things, the cost, the startup cost, the capital expenditures is massive. The equipment that you have for construction uh, doesn't come cheap. And if you're trying to scale that, yeah, you're going to have a lot of costs in suit. I would imagine that's one piece of it. And another piece, maybe liability. I don't, is there something to the fact that, you know, you're constantly on the doorstep of someone that might sue you because of something that goes wrong? I, I could think of some other reasons. I, the difference between construction and everyone else, I don't know, Will. Do you have any ideas? Well, I mean, I have my theories. And I think, I got into construction because, number one, I knew how to do something with my hands. I knew a craft, right? And it was like, oh, okay, cool. I can go just do this and charge people for it. And I'll add a depth of my startup cost, which I think you know. Like, I bought an $800 Chevy Astro van when I first started. And everybody called it the free candy van. And it was pretty creepy. <laughs> and then I probably had a total of, like, two, three hundred tools in the back and then 
of course you just buy tools as you need them. But so the startup cost for me wasn't that bad. And I worked specifically in dirt crawl spaces, but I think a lot of the reason is because most contractors, they're just good at the job, but they're not good at the business. Right. And you get to see it every day, even with some of our management team, it's like, you know, it's not just being able to do the work. It's, you have to be able to, you know, understand people. You have to know financials. You need to be able to hire people. You got to just do all this stuff. And I think a lot of people jump into it because of the low barrier of entry, not realizing what could be their blind spots on the day-to-day -day stuff that we should be. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense from a standpoint of it will start a construction company. It could be something literally where it's just running all of the jobs, doing all of the sales, and you go find a few laborers and you grow your company. And then now when you're in double-digit employees, managing people that are solving your problems is a completely different ballgame. Um, and I think that's probably just where clear vision has to come in. And I would guess those 50% that fail, upwards of 75% in construction, uh, if you asked if they had a clear vision, kind of tied through some of those storms that come with growth, that would probably be a big area of, of failure. Yeah. Well, and I know you do most of the interviewing here for our company. And you, I mean, you're clearly kind of becoming a master of that service now. And you see that people just aren't really good at it. But when you're interviewing people for working at our company, I mean, they've left their previous job if they came from construction for a number of reasons. What, what is the most common answer that you hear for people wanting to come work for us because of their previous position. Yeah. Um, people quit their managers. That's, that's a reality. I hear that all the time. And it's one of those things where if you're coaching someone who's about to do an interview, you try to coach them like, Hey, don't talk too much smack on your previous employer. That doesn't look great on you, but you do see that a lot. I see that all the time where someone comes in and it's like, I just felt like no one cared about me. I didn't feel like anyone was looking out for me. I was promised something that they did not and that is the quickest way to burn a bridge and for someone to look somewhere else. And, you know, it's one of those things where I think in construction, you may have a lofty goal. Hey, we're going to get here by the end of the year. And we didn't land the plane because we didn't land the plane. Now I can't make this promise fulfilled for an employee. You know, like I, hmm. I let that just kind of slip by. And I just thought that maybe they wouldn't notice or it wasn't going to be a big deal. It's someone's lives. It's someone really the promise of their future. And communication can get lost. Yeah. It, it, and I'll, I'll obviously speak from an owner's perspective. You know, a lot of times you bring people in and you just think like people are supposed to know what you think. Right. And thank goodness. Well, we, we had an episode with Sydney on and she's really good at being like, Hey, people don't know what you're actually thinking. You probably should write it down and communicate it. Right. And you should probably get it on paper and communicate it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm done. I communicated it. Right. And she's like, no, you like have to constantly repeat things. And it's like, you feel like a broken record, but it's just reality that when you're trying to communicate to your team, it's not a one and done, right? right. Yeah. And some psychological experts say, you know, you have to repeat something of seven plus times before it even drills into the brain. That, and that repetition is now something that they do. You think of raising a child, like I, I just had the birth of my firstborn and we're not at this phase yet, but I have nieces and nephews where you tell them to do something once, great, they might do it. You tell them a second, third, fourth, fifth. By six or seven, they're getting the idea, right? And we're not that far off from our children. Like, hey, you need to be reminded seven times or more. 
make that thing happen. Well, you just made me think of something. And to our listeners, a lot of people don't realize that Dylan took the jump a few years ago to out of random circumstances, you decided to become an electrical apprentice, right? Right. And it was kind of born out of COVID. It was out of need. No one was hiring, but construction had opened. So I was like, hey, let's try my hand. Yeah. God, the world was on fire then. But you probably worked with a journeyman, right? Tell me about how that interaction went. It's like, go work with Earl and he'll tell you everything you need to know. So how did that go? Yeah, it, it varied by the different journey. So, you know, I had I had some journeymen that were just like incredible teachers and like really easy to be around. And it's one of those things when you're with one other person for your entire day, you don't think about this, but it'd be nice if you had some shared interests, some things that you want to talk about together. And, just, and so I experienced that. And then I also experienced the other side where it's like, you know, a journeyman that really was pedal to the pedal to metal and and this is the way it is and and another journeyman that's just way more tenured and maybe a little i don't know for lack of better words a little disgruntled just because of the number of decades of work he was an ass yeah it could be that sometimes yeah but it it just varied like in in you know you look forward to some days with certain personalities and other days maybe a little more of a struggle yeah well I guess we'll continue to evolve on this idea of why construction company businesses fail at a higher rate than others. But, you know, that's what I enjoy is finding out the facts and then trying to impose them in my own business and say, hey, how can I not be that statistic, right? Because we're beyond the five years, but that doesn't mean you're out of the woods yet. So anyways, let's get on to greener pastures. Sorry. There it is. The, uh, speaking of pastures, <laughs> our guest today is a, I want to be very clear, very good friend of mine. He's a pub- well-known public speaker, got a really inspiring story. He also uh, has grown his garage door business over 200% in the last two years, which is just impressive. And uh, he also just went through a massive rebrand with his company, which is a scary thing for a lot of contractors. So I know a lot of our listeners are going to be wondering like, hey, should I rebrand? But also he's kind of the garage door guru. He's not just fixing garage doors, but he's doing education online. He's got his own podcast. And his social content is just hysterical, by the way, which we'll put some links in the comments. But we want to introduce our very good friend, owner, and CEO of now Jolly Goat Garage Doors, which is an, I know I almost (laughs) said it. Yeah, thanks. But that's why we say greener pastures because now they literally have goats in their office. So, yeah. So, Jeff, why don't you introduce yourself and let's just start out by hearing some of your story because it is really inspiring. Well, sure. I appreciate it. First, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on today. I really do. And you brought up the koozies earlier that you guys have, A to Z Inspections and Trade Pros. I got to say, I know both of those companies and they're just amazing companies and great people that run them. So that's cool that you guys are representing. So yeah, so I'm Jeff Gablesberg. I am the happy, proud owner of Jolly Goat Garage Doors. I started my journey back in 1994 whenever I was out of school and sitting on my mom's couch because I had just gotten out of some trouble with the law and I was a minor at the time and, you know, was sitting there and, and, you know, she was telling me you need to get a job, you need to do something. I couldn't go back to school. And so anyway, she actually had this guy that was remodeling her kitchen at the time. And he said his helper didn't show up one day. And so he asked if I'd help him move her refrigerator. And from there, I became his helper, worked with him for about two or three months remodeling houses. And then he got slow really fast. But in that three-month time, he took a real shine to me. And I didn't have like a male, adult male figure in my life at the time. So I took a shine to him as well. And he didn't want me back out on the streets running around getting in trouble. So he called up a friend of his named Johnny Hale. 
at a company called Hales Overhead Door Company. And, and just so happened that, you know, he called Johnny and said, man, I got this kid can, you know, can use a helper. And he said, man, actually, yes, I just broke my hand like a week earlier, Johnny had broke his hand. So he said, yeah, I could use a helper. So I went to go work for Johnny Hale and I was his helper, rode on his passenger seat for about two years. And wow. I knew right away within the first few days of doing that work, working on garage doors and installing them. I knew that was something that I immediately had a passion for. It was the gratification of going into a customer's home, fixing their problem and leaving and going and doing it again that day just really resonated with me. So, so I stuck with garage doors. It's taken me, I worked for Johnny Hale for a while and he actually helped me get my own truck and get out on my own and started my first garage door company back in 98, I believe it was maybe 90. Yeah. Something like that. Nice. You're showing years. your age, buddy. I know. Yeah, that's that's okay. Let's round that this. up by 10 years. Here, here we go. <laughs> And uh, that company was called Omni Overhead Door Company. I forgot that. Yeah, Omni. And, uh, Omni Overhead Door Company. And so I did that for a little bit. And then I got into a, a pretty serious vehicle accident and uh, wasn't able to climb up and down ladders anymore. So uh, one of our local suppliers hired me to sit behind a desk for a little bit. So I was still in the garage door space. And from there, that company took me out to Atlanta, Georgia to start up a distribution center that they wanted to do. From there, I went to work for another company out, out in Atlanta. And kind of jumped around a little bit for a few years, ended up going to Dallas for a little bit for a startup for that same company and also out in San Diego for about three or four months with that same company. Then a buddy of mine that worked at that company was moving back to his hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. And he said, man, I'm going to go out there and start up a garage door company. I want you to come with me and didn't really hesitate. I said, okay, let's do it. You know, I've done this before startup thing. Let's go do it. So we went out there and uh, started up a company and I worked for him and his partner for about 12 or 13 years. And then, and we went through, you know, I learned a lot out there. We went through the ups and downs, you name it. It happened The 08 the housing market, of course, impacted us like it did every other service business, especially in markets like in Florida. And so we struggled there, there towards the end of my journey with that company. But, and I said, you know what? It's time for me to start my own business. I know everything there is to know about the garage door business and the garage door space and how to work on garage doors and how to make customers happy. So let me do this. Well, I didn't want to do it in that same market. So I had to go somewhere else and I figured, you know what, let me go back home to Oklahoma city and make it happen. So got back to Oklahoma city. All I had was a Ford Explorer and a 16 foot utility trailer. And I had called up my good friend, Johnny Hale, that I hadn't talked to in 10 plus years at that point. I said, man, in a couple of weeks, I'm coming back home you got any work for me? He said, absolutely. Come on back. So I came back and literally went out and installed two doors for him. The day that I drove the U-Haul into town, I got my 40 wow. score, went and put a couple of doors in for him. And, and I just started doing contract work for a lot of people. And, you know, I didn't burn any bridges back then that I know of anyway. So people were willing to throw me some work and unfortunate times that we had a pretty serious uh, storm and tornado had come through just a couple months before. And so there was a lot of work for garage door people out there. So I was able to, to pick up a lot of work there for other people. Now, from there, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna make this business happen. This is good. And I, and I did almost $150,000 in revenue in my first year, in my first 12 months. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I made 150 grand. How could like, we be like, any bigger? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I didn't, of course I didn't know it was at 150 grand until I did my taxes at the end of the year. It was like, okay, Ouch. this gross revenue. And I was like, wait a minute, where did that money go? You know? And I struggled with that exact same thing for several years and it wasn't, it was just me and a truck. And I, and I ended up going through 
a lot of what, you know, when people start a business just, and, and that story, that journey is not like, or is very similar to a lot of other people that I know in, in the home service space, whether it's HVAC, electrical, garage doors, whatever, you got to start somewhere. And so my struggles were that, yes, I knew everything there is to know about the garage door business, but I didn't know a damn thing about how to run a business, how to start a business, how to, you know, how to do anything. I didn't have a vision. I didn't have systems, processes, nothing. And so I struggled for the longest time. Finally, 2019, I was in debt. It was, it was just, it was rough times. And I was looking at maybe going and getting a job. I was going to give it up. That's how bad it was for me. And Luckily, I pushed through and I said, you know what? I know that there's other people that are good at this and successful in this space. I just got to figure out how to do it. If they can do it, so can. And so I, I ended up uh, putting myself intentionally in front of some people that were successful in the garage door space outside of my market. And, and by doing that, was able to get some, find some mentors and some people that were willing to help and say, yeah, man, don't worry about it. You got this. this is, these are the steps you need to take. And so I started learning about systems and processes and, and a vision and, and core values and all this other stuff that I hadn't, didn't even know what any of those words meant at the time. And so I started my journey to turn that business around and actually turn it into something. And within uh, three years, we went from me and a truck to we've got 18 people now. And wow. we'll be at, we'll be, our, our goal this million was three, or this year was three million in revenue. We're going we're gonna to fall just a tiny bit short of that, but, but I'm still going to call it three. Because we're almost there. Yeah, hell of a stretch. Yeah. Hell of a stretch from 150, yeah. right? Well, from 150, and to be clear, that 150 was the same for several years. Mm -hmm. The last year, 2019, we were at 316. So, so this is what I love about your story, Jeff, because, like, I mean, we could peel back the layers. Hopefully, you're writing a book. Please. Not the first person that said that. You, but you, I, you, I, 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 yeah. I mean, number one, like, you know, I, I think just genuinely there's a lot of people that, have gone through failure and they just throw their hands up and it's like, dude, I, I'm done. Right. Absolutely. But it's, you know, I think of Abraham Lincoln, you look at like how many things he lost, how many elections he lost. And finally he got up to presidency. It, you think I'm stubborn, Dylan. I mean, can you imagine? You Abraham know? Lincoln. Yeah, I know. Right. Oh, yeah. hey, uh, we know how that ended up. <laughs> I can just picture you with this hat on right now. Yeah. I see yeah it. That's yeah. all right. I'm growing out the beard, Working but anyway, <laughs> you know, the, the fact is failure is not an option, but it's just, it's inevitable. It's going to happen, right? And I think we were pummeled in that, like in school, like you cannot fail. You're knocked down for failure. You know, you're graded against failing. But then in the real world, you know how it is. It's like, dude, we're, we're screwing up all the time. But I really like this. And I'm just wanting to share this and recap it for the listeners. Like we're in construction, we're really bad about carrying ego with us and we're afraid to ask for help. And like, for example, you to ring up Johnny Hale after 10 years and being like, Hey, like I, I need some work. Let's go. And then you were doing two doors like that next, that, that day you said the U-Haul came in, but also like, I think we forget what got us here doesn't get us there. Right. And the fact that you recognize, you know, you understand this. People see success and they think it happened overnight, right? right. Oh, yeah. And I know I picked on you about the date, but it's like, oh, uh, meaning 98 you mentioned before. But yeah, it's a long road to get there. And, and it's been like that for me. Obviously, you, it's been like that for you. But to see like you recognize personal growth and development. And I got to pick on Jeff a little bit. So Dylan, do you know much about like Service Titan? A little bit. Okay, so Jeff is obviously a Service Titan champion. 
And these guys are fanatics about KPIs, systems, processes. And for those that don't know, KPIs are key performance indicators. You go into their office and they got like 18 screens wrapped around them. It's like they, they're in the war room, yeah, you know, and it's exactly. like they, they, things are instant. It's just crazy. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit because we'll, we'll talk more about Johnny and how that, that went. But uh, I just think it's, it's one of those where we overcomplicate systems and processes and growth. And really it's like, no, just measure it, right? Learn it. Just try to be better tomorrow than better tomorrow than you are today. And you know, today be a little bit better than yesterday. Right. Absolutely. So, so on that note, like Jeff, let, let's talk about like, what was the switch specifically that said, Hey, I got to change. And obviously we never just decide to change and things get better in a day. Right. So what was the turning point for you and the growth and the development of your company? And, you know, it was a mindset shift and you know, everything you, you bring up that word failure. I'm very familiar with that word and what it means in so many different ways. And, you know, my whole life I failed at things. And when I failed at something, I literally would just run from it. That's all I knew. That's how that's, that was me from a little kid. Right? I ran from everything. If it didn't work out great, no big deal. Put that off to the side and run off and let's try something different, you know? And I did that, like literally moving from state to state, different places. And even as a child, I mean, all, I mean, it was, you know, it was struggles. And I saw myself facing that exact same thing again. You know what? If I can't make this thing work and I run from it, where does that put me again? And, and all of that running got me nowhere. And so I said, you know what? I've got to just put my foot down. I got to focus on this and I got to make this happen. And the mindset shift finally happened. And as soon as it did, I know, and all it was is that I realized that, okay, I, I set myself a little tiny goal and, and it was very small, it was very simple. And that was to make contact with somebody that's successful and find out that's all it was. And I did that. And as soon as I did that, and I talked to somebody that understood where I was coming from, had the same similar background as me and went through the same struggles, but was now, you know, a multi-million dollar company and said, you know, you can get there. And this is, you know, these are some of the steps you take. I was like, okay, this, I can do this. And, you know, one of the things, you know, was I had been surrounding myself with all the wrong people for the longest time. Once I made that mind shift change, I sort of surround myself with the people that could help me get there and it could help me help guide me anyway on, on the process on getting there. And that was probably the biggest, it was just, but it had to happen up in my head first. It, you know, I, there was nothing physical I could have done. I, I was just, it had to happen up top and I had to just had that come to Jesus moment and I did. And that's what, and that's what did it. Yeah. One of yeah. my hobbies is I like art and I'm kind of like a, old school art guy I'm not much into the modern art thing but back in the day so like renaissance art mm -hmm. you've heard the you've heard the word a master before sure. right so the master would teach the apprentice and the apprentice would continue to learn and to learn to a point that the apprentice could complete a piece of art that was adequate or as good as the master could complete so the master had created something and now they could create the masterpiece and now they were at a level where they were no longer an apprentice anymore and so you know what you're describing it's like that's everywhere in business. Mm -hmm. Like you have someone who's an apprentice and their desire is not just, most people don't want to stay at the lowest level, right? But they want to advance. And for you to have the humility to go like, Hey, I need some help here. I, I know that there's a lot of business owners out there that just, you know, they're kind of living in the status quo. They probably don't reach their hand out for help. Like, you know, where did you begin with that? So you set the goal for yourself. I, I want to talk to someone else. Like, how did you begin that, that search? Like, did you literally just show up in someone else's business or, 
call some friends? What was that? Well, you know, and that's a, it's a great question because honestly, if I had to start from scratch, which was, would have probably been the process a few months earlier, then I wouldn't have found anybody. But I knew I heard about this guy who I had met years ago at some garage door conference. And I'd heard about this guy and I heard that he was, you know, doing different things. He had just come into my market. He was in a garage door space in a different state. And he, he had just come into our market in Oklahoma city also. And he was expanding around. And I was like, how was somebody growing and why would they come to Oklahoma city and start a company? I'm like, cause at the time you asked me, I would say the market sucks here. This is horrible. Like you can't make money in this market. And so I was thinking, how do they do that? And that's, and I knew that was the guy I needed to get in front of. And he might reject me. He might not, but he took me in and was like, and I, I literally put myself in front of him. I heard he was going to be in town through a Facebook post. I saw it, I contacted somebody that worked for him that I knew. And, and it was like, they said, oh, yeah, we're going to be at such and such downtown, you know, at like 7 o'clock. I literally went down there at 6 o'clock and stood out in front of the door. And about 7.30, 7.45, because they were way late, I was about to walk off. And I saw him come around the corner and just walked up and shook his hand. And, that, and we hung out all that night. And that's where that came from. Isn't that wild, though? Like, because people have done that to you and I. Sure. And then they find out we're just regular guys, right? Absolutely. And it's like most of the time our mentors are just people willing to help. They're not like behind a curtain. They're not walking around with an entourage, you know? Yeah. And by the way, to Google masterpiece, Dylan, honestly, Dylan is full of wild facts. But so, it's funny you say that, Will, because like it inspired me so much that he, then the fact that he just said, yes, I, you know, I can help you out give you some free advice that from that moment forward, even though I still had nothing at the time, I knew that's my new focus in life. I want to get to a place where I can do the same thing because if somebody would have, if I would have known there was even somebody out there that could have helped in the home service space uh, to just give advice or anything, if I would have even known that was a possibility, then I would have probably earlier, but I just didn't. So getting it out there and getting the voice out there and being a part of that and now being able to help other people is just, it's amazing. It kind of flies in the face of cutthroat capitalism mm. where it's like you think people are just competing. There's no way anyone wants to help, right? right? But actually, no, they, they realize they had help to get where they are and, and they want to lend a hand as well. So it's worth asking. Oh yeah. Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, nobody got anywhere by themselves. Yeah. So, so uh, there's one specific thing I know that will help a lot of our listeners. I know they probably look at their trucks. They look at their business cards. They just like, they, they get disdained with their brand. Right. And, and just to be clear, Jeff, your company's used to, your company used to be called garage door solutions, which, Hey, I, I thought it was cool. Like, and you guys, you, you had the right table stakes, did good work, had good people, all that. But you took the dive this year to do a complete rebrand, which I'm sure was represented by a lot of people as like, really? But you did it and it's been fantastic. And I'm sure a lot of people like they, they want to do that. They want to go, they want to go through that journey of rebranding their company and, you know, they just don't do it out of fear. So tell us a little bit about Jolly Goat and this new, like this new, what I would call social media craze, taking social media and TikTok and Facebook by storm. Cause I just love it, man. It is just killing it right now. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So I, I basically came up with this name garage door solutions and thought, man, this is just, this is a great name. And, but what I learned over time is that it just wasn't catchy at all. Nobody was remembering it. So I literally did all this networking and I met people all the time. I was good at going out and meeting realtors and home inspectors and all kinds of different people. And I would run into them on a monthly and weekly basis. 
And they would walk up to me and say, oh, you know, my neighbor had a garage door issue last week and I couldn't remember the name of your company. So I just told him to go online and that used to drive me nuts. So that happened. And I can't tell you dozens and dozens of times it happened. And it was very frustrating. And then I, as we started growing the company, I realized that, you know, we're going to do something different. And we start, we looked at maybe part of our growth scale on a one-year, three-year, five-year plan was to maybe go into other markets. And so we started looking at some of those other markets. Well, it turns out this amazing name, Garage Door Solutions, that I had, everybody else and their brother and their uncle and their dog had the same name. <laughs> so we, it was, Yeah, it was like, yeah. It, it really kind of brought me down a little bit, right? So. So we couldn't go into these other markets because that name was already there. And actually looking it up in Oklahoma City, there's actually another, there is another Garage Door Solutions registered as well. Oh, really? I'm incorporated oh. there now. And so for some reason, the state let that get by. But anyway, you know, those kind of things were what I was coming across. So I knew somebody in the garage door space that I had met that was out in a different market out of state. And, and they had just given their company a new name and a new look. And it was really cool. They went from kind of like a Garage Door Solutions type name to rise and shine garage doors and mm. there and it was there was this rooster and it was like this beautiful image and they were just blasted all over social media and it was just making this whole thing and i was like that's really cool so i called him up and i said hey man tell me about this name change he's like well we didn't really change our name we rebranded and i was like okay well what the hell does that mean so now i'm getting into you know <laughs> trying to figure out what the rebrand means and as i started learning about it i said you know what it, to get to take our company to the next level we're going to need something like this so we started meeting some company or started interviewing some companies and we interviewed three of them to do the rebrand. And we were coming across things like, you know, companies that had all these, you know, they had all these images of companies that they had rebranded. And we looked at a local company and then a couple of out of state companies. And what I kept getting was, oh, well, you know, here's, I asked for a process. Like, what does the process look like over the next 30 days, a couple months until to do the rebrand? And I said, well, you know, you give us some ideas and we'll come up with this logo for you. And, you know, we'll kind of do this. And I'm like, okay, that's great, I guess. And I didn't get real excited about it. Then I came across a company out of New Jersey. I met the owner at, at a networking event and, and it was out of state and he really impressed me. He got up on stage and was talking about their company and what they really do. So we interviewed with them and honestly, it was a switcheroo. They actually interviewed me in the very first call because they don't just, they don't just onboard anybody on, on into their business. They've got a very specific plan and process. And I love that. I fell in love with it. I said, you know what? This is the company for us. It was a very expensive pill to swallow when I found out how much it was going to cost. But we put together a plan and a structure. And I said, you know what? Let's do this. And I gave them full reign. And they're the ones that actually came up with the name, with the colors, with the image, everything. But it was more than just a logo. It was an actual brand. And it was built around culture, people as well as our clientele that we're that we best serve as well as the employees that we best that we want to attract they're going to be best for our company so that's what the whole brand was kind of based off of and it has been amazing it really has we're only four months into it i guess right now maybe five it was, yeah it was, well, it was july 16th we went live with it and we just it's been it's been amazing we did a, a one of the big uh, home shows as you guys know the fair is like one of our big deals here in, in, in the state of Oklahoma and Oklahoma city, especially. And we're out there for 12 days and we did a booth for the first time. And I mean, hundreds of people came by and was like, Oh, we've seen your trucks driving around. You know, we never got that with the other company, you know, with the garage door solutions. So we knew that would, that helped that reassured me that like this thing's work. It's making sense. 
And now every time I walk into a room somewhere, whether it's a networking event or a dinner or something, somebody always says, oh, we saw one of your trucks because you can't miss them driving down the mm -hmm. road. So uh, it's amazing journey so far. Yeah. And I think that's an important lesson when we talk about rebranding is, you know, obviously I think a lot of people will, will be Googling Jolly Goat garage doors after this episode, but you own the colors, obviously in your space. They're very, what a lot of people call sticky, right? Like you see it once you're there, which is really important because we need people to see us repetitively over time before they actually remember who we are. Cause I don't need garage door services today, but when I do the brand that has stuck with me is one of those that, that kind of goes with it. But also I'm glad you said culture cause it comes back to like the people aspect and your team is having a load of fun with this. Oh yeah. And you know, it, it, it's just kind of funny to think of, you know, yes, Jeff and his team literally have baby goats, sorry, kids, kids. Thank you. Yeah. The uh, running around the office and like uh, but, real one. Real just running around the office. Hey, have you not seen this? Diapers? I haven't seen it. No, we no just, you got to look them the up. Diaper situation. No diapers. They're, are they potty trained? Like what is that? Actually? So no, they're not, but it's funny <laughs> because to clean up, they, they tend to, you know, the great thing about them is whenever they go number two, it's just, it's like a rabbit. Just, and it's very yeah. easy. So we now have four poop stations set up around the shop. What, it's just one of those little bucket brooms with the broom thing. You just sweep it That's up amazing. and we I'm dump it. We got the station set up now. The P, you know, it's a little bit different, but the P they normally go in the same place all the time. So it's, and so most of the time they go in their pen where we have hay and everything set up. So, well, it, it's just cool on social media. You need to look them up, Dylan. Like it's just, we, I think in construction, we take ourselves way too seriously and like we best quality X, I don't care what it is, but. When our customers are out there on social media and on the internet, like they're generally typically looking for something and, or they're just there for entertainment. So to see entertainment dovetailed with the branding is just really clever. I'm incredibly jealous, like not a lot that I can do with Vesta there, but I want to back up real quick. Cause I think a lot of our listeners need to understand this, Jeff, you talked about going to New Jersey and going to these areas, like. How many trips to networking events do you take in a given year? Because most people would complain about the costs to go to different seminars, conferences, things like that. But I mean, you'd go two feet first into this and it's obviously a, a very important lesson in learning, like, how do I connect myself with smarter people? Right. So how many do you go to? So in a given year, I'll probably go to 10 or 12. Wow. That are a state that are actually, yeah, that are out. I'm actually, yeah, so probably, probably about 10 or 12. And that's, and locally I focus on networking too, but it's a different thing when you go out to these, these big events, right? And you're right. It can be costly. And honestly, one of the very first ones I went to, I thought, so I'm going to be not working because this is when I was still just me. I was, I mean, not working and it's going to, I got to pay for a hotel. I got to get airfare. I've got no, you know, I'm not generating any revenue while I'm gone. And, you know, that, that was something that I had to kind of get past. But I realized real quick, if you can go to these events, even if it costs money and you can, you're going to get a million takeaways, but if you can take one and take it home and implement, then it pays for itself tenfold every single time. The problem is it can get very overwhelming real fast. You can't do it all at once which is what I tried to do. And, and it, it was rough. 
But if you could just go and learn something, take a lot of notes, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, that have done it before you, that have been down the roads, take their advice, follow it, implement it, and you can't go wrong. It's totally worth taking the time to invest in yourself and your company and spend the money to do it. How do you distinguish, so you mentioned this difference between going out of state or something and going to a conference versus internally or in your city, you know, the networking you do here, you know, what do you characterize as the difference? That? So what would you say is like, this is the networking I try to achieve in my local area? Yeah. So it's actually shifted quite a bit in the past couple of years. So since I've grown personally and on the business side of things, my local stuff that I'm doing really honestly I've seen a lot of businesses here that are trying to do what we're doing and just haven't done it and they've been it's because they've been focused on the local level getting out of state and seeing after I went to the very first one it was in Arizona I knew right then that I was in the right place and doing the right things and as I sat in that room I looked around and it was all uh, garage door people specifically at this first one I looked around and there was one other person from my state in there and they didn't go that route and they're not actually in business anymore and they are actually from Oklahoma city and mm -hmm. that, that, that company has actually since closed down. And I knew that, you know, if I, if everybody else could do this, I could too, going back to that. And I just kind of wrapped my head around that. And I said, you know what, I just got to take some of the stuff back and do it. And that's where the biggest thing from out of state, going out of state is to the local level. I'm not getting that same thing on the local level, but I still need to grow and brand my company. So that's where the local level comes in. Well, I love this because, you know, we started out with just number one, your beginnings. We talked about failure and you're not having the ego to reach out and uh, ask for help. You know, obviously you're not assuming that knowledge and information is going to come to you. So you go out there and you find it. So I, I want to bring this back full circle a little bit because I want you to tell the listeners a little bit about uh, I want to hear about your work with Rotary, but also how it ended up with Johnny Hale and, and this concept, because a lot of us think we can only grow by organic growth or throwing money at a problem. But this came full circle to you this last year. So let's talk about Johnny and his company and tell me about how that story folded, unfolded. Sure. Yeah. So I love that story too. You know, uh, Johnny and I have remained friends all these years. And as I started getting busier, I, I stopped doing work for him as I was doing my own thing, but we still stayed friends. And a couple of years ago, we started talking. He was, you know, saying he, he wanted to start looking for an exit plan. He wanted to retire at some point. And so we kind of talked about, you know, this, when I say talked about, it was literally just kind of just chatting over breakfast or whatever about maybe me taking over that business or something like that. And we never did throw numbers out there, really talking. It was just kind of one of those things that we, we just chatted about. And so I got really excited about it. And then, he had some health issues and a couple of things and his journey, his plan, what kind of went a couple of years short, but at this point he's now been in, had that business. Hales over Red door has been around for 40 years, starting January. Wow. So, which is in a couple of months from now. And so it's been, a, it's a well-established business. It was just him and a truck. And, and, and in the later years, he was just using contractors, but it was a company that was doing, you know, uh, about 640,000. I think they did uh, last year. And so, you know, and it was running well and it was a, it's a profit machine. He had no overhead. He hadn't spent a dollar in marketing other than a small newspaper ad that he had, which is still there. Right. There was all these things that looked great about it. And like I said, his, he kind of got cut short on his retirement. He was going to have to get out a little bit early. So, and I 
he ended up going to a broker and put the company on the market to sell it and, and was having some luck, but not a lot of luck. So I sat down with him. I said, you know what, let's really look at this thing. He really wanted it to go to somebody that cared about his clients and understood his clients the best they could. He was in a central Southern Oklahoma market, not necessarily in Oklahoma city. And it's a different, it's, you know, the clients are just, they're a little bit slower pace. There's a little, you know, there's a lot of farms we work with, things like that. And so, and he knew that I understood that. And I got that with all those years that I had worked with him. So he wanted me to take it over, but just didn't have the finances to be able to do it. So we ended up coming to, to an agreement, working out a deal. And I ended up actually acquiring Hale's Red Door Company in April of this year. Awesome. And, and Johnny Hale was able to retire and he just actually got back from, from a vacation and uh, down in Alabama and his wife went down there with some friends and had a great time. And so he's able to, uh, you know, continue his journey in life now on, on the retirement side. And, uh, and we picked up Hale's Overhead Door in the process. That was our first acquisition. And uh, it was, it wasn't a handshake deal. You know, there was attorneys involved, brokers involved, stuff like that. But, and, and I learned a lot in that process, but it really is a comforting feeling knowing that the first job I ever had is with a company that I now own. It's really cool. It that is really cool. cool. So, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. We, yeah, we, we love that. And, and me, me and Johnny talk almost every day still. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also you, you took uh, a business that he had already made gray and you, you just kind of refined, you dovetailed it in with your systems and processes, Absolutely. the culture, and then like now it's multiplied. It's already multiplying, which is inspiring. Yeah. And then you mentioned something before about, you know, just try not to burn bridges, just be a good human being and get along with people and trying to advise people that are not following the same footsteps. So one thing that I'm really inspired about is your work with Rotary. So I, I want to hear more about Ryla, what that is, because I hear about it and it's just, it blows my mind what you all are doing, because this is nationwide, right? Ryla is a nationwide, and Ryla, for the listeners, stands for Rotary Youth Leadership Awards. Rotary is, is a worldwide thing, but every there's districts worldwide, and then there's clubs. And inside of each district, there's multiple clubs. Inside of each club, they have their own focus on. It could be something, it's always community-related. Sometimes it's international related. It might be, you might have one club that just focus on young people and education. You might have another club that focuses on infrastructure in their community, whatever, keeping streets clean and stuff like that. He got involved with Rotary through a friend, actually at a networking event that I met, and uh, he got me into Rotary. And from there, somebody else inside my Rotary club got me involved in Ryla. And, you know, one of my one of my things that I said whenever I came back to Oklahoma to start this business, I said, you know what, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be successful in this business. I'm going to start my own nonprofit and help out kids that are on the street that, you know, like I, I never got help if somebody would help me, you know, and I was just, that was kind of my thing. Well, I figured out real quick, that was a lot more difficult to do than it sounds. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's already people that have done it. So just jump on that bandwagon. And so that's what I did. And, you know, Rotary Youth Leadership is uh, something that's a passion of mine. We do a camp once a year and every camp's a little bit different. Our district holds a camp and it's in October and we get local students. It's always age group is high school, like 10th, 11th grade is ideal for the curriculum that we have built. Bring these students in. It could be students that are already in leadership opportunities, whether it be at church or whether it be in school or, or you know, with scouts or whatever it is and bring them in. And it could also be students that don't have any leadership abilities at all or, or have not been confronted with anything there. And the curriculum is built to bring these students in and break them down, 
I mean, we break them down pretty hard. And then we build them back up to where they think they're conquering the world, and we break them back down again. And just teach them all these skills on communication and all these barriers that they come across in the daily life, wow. what they're going to come across when it comes to getting into college, going through college, if they want to go that route, or if they want to get into the trades. We're talking about that a lot now. And then getting their jobs, getting their first jobs out there. What does that look like? And so we focus on all of those things, and, and it's, a, it's a game changer. You know, watching these kids over a week's time through this camp go from the start to finish and the changes they go through is just insane. I tear up every time. I, get, I, I tear up even talking about it just because it's just an amazing journey for them. And just to watch that happen, I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah. I remember you telling me stories just about like the, the call it the emotional intelligence, the EQ from like day one to the end. Yeah. And just the, the connection. But also, I mean, I mean, we talk a lot about ROI and things like that in business, but when you're doing stuff like that, it's like th th those can't be measured. Right. But I mean, it, you went on a path in your young days and then now you're correcting or call it supporting positive paths with we could call it correcting because my past was pretty bad so i'm still correcting <laughs> things right now. i feel like i will be probably till i'm on my deathbed someday yeah that's right it's like yeah i found rock bottom and then i drove through rock bottom and then somebody drove me even farther through that but the, but i just find it inspiring and you know even i forget to this day like hey we, we we've got a business we we're just trying to survive the day-to-day -day sometimes but there's this bigger side that obviously is tied to you know, our purpose, our why, and you, the, I, I know there's been times where I've asked you for things and it's like, no, I'm on Ryla like this week and I'm like, oh, totally get it. And your team supports you in that, which I think is really cool. So, uh, I just applaud you for that. Uh, and I know this is just like a book, right? This is just Jeff to this chapter in life. And boy, I'm just pumped to see what the next five years look like. So we always ask our guests, this is something funny. I got a little corrected. Like, well, for those that know me, I'm like, dude, I screw it up so bad that I can brag about it. And, you know, one of our guests had mentioned like, that sounds like it's like you screwed it up so bad that like you're making fun of it, but it's not very educational to our audience. So what is one thing that you genuinely just screwed up back in the day that you feel like our listeners could benefit from that to help prevent them from making that same mistake? Sure. You know, and I love that you brought that up. And I think about my failures pretty much on a daily basis because I learned from them all. And there's been a lot of, and there's going to be a lot more, you know, that's just part of the process. And I've learned that. And that's probably one of the biggest things that the listeners should understand. Anybody that's trying to get to the next level, it's, a, you know, accept the failures. If you're not failing, you're not trying. And so, you know, do everything you absolutely can. I would say on my side, Man, there's been a lot of them. You know, getting out of my own way was a big, held me back. And then and I'm looking back in the, in the beginning of the process of, of growing this company. Um, I was in my own way. And that really, to me, I look at that as a failure because I knew I could have done it differently. And it, when it came to like hiring people and things like that, I was still on that mindset of, well, nobody's going to do it as good as I can. So I'm just not going to hire that person or I got to keep doing it myself. And that held me up. That held me back. It's okay. Once I learned and finally realized and had the right frame of mind and mindset about, you know, hire the person, train them the right way and let them do their thing. And if they're the right person, it's going to work out great. If not, you're going to move on to the next one. That's just part of it. But that, that slowed me down and that held me up. I'd say one of my most recent failures though, 
um, was in the rebranding process. I hmm. had gotten some advice from several people and they said, you know what? Because it, it, rebranding is expensive. It is. I mean, it is a, it's a journey and a company has to be prepared to be able to take that journey. And I got some advice from a friend and he said, you know what? Go out and get you a line of credit just in, in, and use that for the rebrand. That way you don't have to come out of pocket and hurt your company in the long run. So I went out and got a line of credit. And as soon as, and and this was pre-rebrand, and so it was sitting there. And I decided, you know, just, I made the decision instead of of asking my team and sharing it all together and say, this what should we do, which is the way we always do things. I didn't at this particular time. And I made a decision on my own. I was like, yeah, we got a little bit of cash sitting there. Let's just fund this thing ourselves. So we self-funded the rebrand without borrowing any money. And that hurt us bad. It put us in a huge cash, negative cash position. And it was a struggle. Now we still were getting through that now, still without borrowing. Now you you mentioned something earlier, Will, you said something about being hardheaded. I'm still hardheaded about certain things (laughs) because right now we still haven't gone to any of that money yet because I'm trying to push us through it, but it is, but it's struggling. You know, it's putting the company into a little bit of a crunch financially. To me, it's, it's something that we're learning from every day. But that was one of the things, you know, if you're going to go through a big rebrand make sure um, that you don't bury yourself in the process. I, I know somebody else who went, who rebranded his company just because everybody else was doing it and he was in a different market and, and him and his wife, they're amazing. They got a great family, but you know what? They, they didn't have a line of credit and they almost bankrupted, bankrupted themselves trying to do a rebrand to try to, you know, and it's not right for everybody at the right. And so just make sure I would say, you know, that you're financially, your company can financially support something, a venture like that, because that was a big failure to me and ultimately hurt my whole team because of it. So I look at that as something that I wish I would have done a little bit differently, but I know now. Yeah. You know? So yeah, rebrand has obviously internal and external implications, right? It's, it's about sure. the culture of the team. It's about customers. It's about your future. That's and, a great point. And, yeah. and so, yeah, that's huge to kind of count what you got before before you let it. What's the phrase? Can't we get before you let it hatch? Oh, you're t- you're from Kansas, man. No, I don't know. Is it don't count your eggs before they hatch? Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. I got a better one for you. It's don't count the goats before they're born. Oh, oh. there we go. Because <laughs> we now have three goats. So whenever a mama goat gets pregnant, they usually have one or two, sometimes three. But it's they only have two teats to to provide for their offspring. Well, the third one usually almost dies off every time. So you can almost always expect to get two out of the deal. Well, we got three, we got third. So here we are. Wow. So, that's yeah, cool. That's a whole, that's a whole nother podcast story. Yeah, that's an agricultural guys. podcast next yeah, up. There we yeah. go. We're branching so, off. Yeah. Hey, goats before listen, Jeff, man, I, I appreciate it so much. You know, uh, you have spoken to my employees in the past. I've seen you speak to other organizations. Uh, obviously you're doing great things with your business. Any of our listeners that want to reach out to you, obviously you're not going to be casting them away and being like, Hey, I'm not going to help you. Cause I mean, we, we've talked about just the ability to help people. How do our listeners reach out to you for advice or for speaking or just to, to hear more about you and ask you questions? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm an open book. I've got an open door policy in my company and anybody out there that's curious about anything, wants to talk, just let me know. I'm not, I don't hesitate to get my cell phone number out. That's okay. The listeners can have that. It's area code 904-509-4497. And my email is Jeff, and that's J-E-F-F, 
at garagedoor405.com. Reach out to me anytime. You know, I'd be happy to talk to anybody. If anybody out there is uh, interested in growing your business, if you're like I was just a couple of years ago, trying to get to the next level, call me up. Uh, even love to have you come by our shop, meet our team, see how we do things. I can give you a tour, see how our CSRs work, our dispatch works, you know, and kind of give you the, the whole meet layout. The, yeah, you got to meet the goats. You got to meet the goats. And yeah, honestly, yeah. if you can't travel to Jeff's office, just get on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok and just search Jolly Goat Garage Doors because yeah, I know Jeff really well. And by the way, it's funny, I just... I, Dylan and I joked that this was the backfire of our show concept, that we we're trying our best not to belch into the, like the microphones. I but, think this whole time I should just let it go. Yeah, and <laughs> we're going to get to the point. Yeah, we're going to get to the point like that guy in The Simpsons that just like just belches out yeah, loud. But, be- yeah. I, but yeah, search Jolly Go Garage Doors online. I just laugh my tail off just looking at this stuff. It is so funny. What's your favorite one that we've posted so far? Oh, so there's one where obviously that, one of the goats climbed up on your mezzanine and fell through the ceiling. Oh, yes. And that's great. That's but I think one of the my favorite is where you are staging an interview with an employee. And then it's like, what are you good at? And then it changes views to the goat, Jolly. It was actually Val, I think. Or no, was it? no that, I think that was Jolly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then it's like, I'm good at eating and sleeping. Anything else? <laughs> no. And it's just like, it's quick hitting and it's short form. It is so funny, but Jeff, dude, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for your insights. I know like your story is just going to help so many people that, you know, we're, we're, we're all on the same journey, right? We're just trying to get there and it's everlasting. It feels like, but you know, you, you've obviously come full circle in a lot of different ways. So I appreciate you coming and thanks to everybody listening again for another episode of beers with contractors. Be sure to look in the details of uh, this episode if you want to find more information about us, some of our kudos to our koozie shout-outs, and then also Jeff as well. So thank you guys for listening. See you next time. Thanks, guys. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Beers with Contractors. We hope you enjoyed our chat as much as we did. Before we say our final goodbyes, a friendly reminder, Beers with Contractors encourages responsible drinking. If you choose to enjoy a beverage during our time together, Please do so in moderation and only if you're of legal drinking age in your country or state. Furthermore, the advice and insights shared in this podcast are for informational purposes only. Always consult with professionals and experts in your field and be sure to follow local laws and regulations regarding licensing and permits. We're here to help, entertain, and inspire, but your safety and compliance are important. So, as you head out into the world of construction and contracting, remember to build responsibly and make decisions that stand the test of time. Thanks for joining us today. We'll catch you on the next episode of Beers with Contractors. Until then, cheers to your success.